Hello and welcome to the Pet Industry News Podcast. My name is Thomas Oakley-Newell and today we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Kim Agnew, Principal Investigator of the Monopantal Pharma Study. Thanks for coming on, Kim. Yeah, hi, Tom. Great to be here. Firstly, can you just explain a little about what Monopantal is? Yeah, it's a great question, actually, because Monopantal is not known for anything other than being a sheep anthelmintic or a cattle anthelmintic because and an anthelmintic is something that kills worms. So Monopantal was purposefully made by Novartis to focus purely on managing resistance to worms and sheep, right? But one of my passions in R&D is that what we know with um, some compounds is that they do a lot more than just one thing. And obviously over the last few years, we've had discussions around a number of those chemistries as well. And so the story about how Monipantil was found to be an anti-cancer product was quite interesting because as it was relayed to me, one of the initiators of Pharmost had some sheep. He was a highly good, high-profile scientist, and he had some sheep. And as he was studying what he was drenching the sheep with, he remember reading some papers on different compounds having impacts on oncology and on tumor cells, and particularly ones with similar modes of action to Monipantil, right? So he went ahead and conducted some lab tests, and voila, found that Monipantil actually killed a variety of tumor cells in so that's really where the whole that's in the lab that's where the whole project started so the basis behind looking at monipantal and canine lymphoma grew from that it's human work other work that's going on at the moment with farmers but for the canine study in essence what uh, monipantal does is that it's not a, a cytotoxic so like a chemotherapy that we'd be familiar with so what monopenal does is it affects the energy flow to the cell and fundamentally starves the tumor cell at a high level mode of action so that allows the body's immune system to manage the tumor and also is good in that it doesn't provide a normal range of side effects that you'd expect to see with normal tumor therapy so it's a very um it's a very cool project to be involved in yeah no that's incredibly interesting i didn't know the backstory and how it was kind of founded and how that all came about so obviously you've done a few trials before this one that you're currently recruiting for how successful were the previous trials yeah look the canine project still we call it sort of phase two at the moment so it's really come through phase one and phase two and these are early stage studies which tend to be run together and by that I mean what you'll do is you'll start with a a dose and then you'll see how that goes. Gradually over time you modify the dose as you see efficacy and that's exactly what Pharmost has done. So we're up to about four, it's the fourth dose we've tried and I think we're really close now to having the, the final dose. So to summarise the outcomes, the, the first dose honestly was a bit high, so we saw some good efficacy, but we did see some inappetence and some vomiting, which was a bit of a concern. So then other doses have come in which have been lower, and now we've, we've actually got a dose where we're finding good efficacy and really not seeing any of the adverse events that we saw initially. So that's all kind of part of the, of the drug development process. What we find as an outcome with Monipantil is very different to really the gold standard. So the gold standard for canine cancers, if you like, Tom, is chemotherapy, and a 
CHOP program, they call it, which is a, a mix of four products. And often they rotate these chemotherapies because cancer is a very tricky thing and it changes, it adapts and it modifies itself to the therapy. So if you rotate the therapy, then you have a better chance of of getting rid of it. So this is the basis of the chemotherapy. So that's definitely the gold standard for those owners who want remission and they want duration of survival time, then the chemotherapy is the way to go. And, you know, in many cases, dogs manage it very well. In some cases, they don't, a bit like people, but in many cases, they do. So the prime difference with Monty Pantel is, is that because it's not like a chemotherapy, the dogs actually don't express the same degree of adverse effects that potentially you can see. And so one of the big things which is coming through is that we are finding cancer stabilization, right? We're not finding remissions like we see with chemotherapy. But the strong feature that's coming through is that those owners who are really looking for quality of life, so they want a good time with their pet, they want to remember their pet the way they've loved their pet their whole life, and they're not keen to sort of engage in the regular visits to the vet, the IV doses, you know, there's challenges with managing, you know, some dog poo and urine and those things when they're on chemotherapy, so it makes it a bit different to manage at home particularly if you've got young kids or one of the members of the family is pregnant. So the interesting thing with the Monty Pantel is, is that people are selecting for a different way of treating their canine lymphoma. And despite all the progress that's gone on, there's still limited options for owners. So there could be a standard prednisone, which is a palliative care, very effective, but it doesn't, it helps for about a couple of months, generally. Chemo would be 20% of dogs are still alive at two years after diagnosis. So with Monty Pantel, at the moment, what we're finding is sort of four to six to seven months of good quality of life in the dogs that we've, that we've treated. And of course, not every dog responds to Monty Pantel positively because we're dealing with lymphoma and tumors, but those dogs, that are responding well, they, that's about what we're seeing. And is monopantil, is that able to be administered at home? And how long do the courses of treatment run for? Yeah, look, we think this is something that will appeal to owners. So Farmos has done a great job in, in formulating a simple tablet. So it would be an oral tablet. It has to be given about an hour after, within an hour after feeding, just for the absorption of the product. But there's no need for vet visits apart from regular health checks that can be administered at home. There's no need to manage the, the poo or the urine from the, from the pet at all. So in, in essence, the owners can have their pet and nothing changes apart from they get the tablet, uh, one or two tablets. And the question about the longevity, it really depends on just how things go. So it could be, say, five to seven months of a daily treatment with regular health checks. Uh, just depending on how the dog's lymphoma progresses because some dogs, when they come into the study, are very ill. Some are not quite so ill. So we have a database of quite a range of initial um, health statuses, if you like. How prevalent is canine lymphoma in dogs? If you look at the numbers, they range a bit. If you think of one in a thousand dogs would get lymphoma, 
the key thing with lymphoma is if you look at all the tumours of dogs, it's one of the most prevalent. So sort of 10 to 20% of all tumours that dogs get would be canine lymphoma. Um, and there's many different types of lymphoma. The one that we are assessing at the moment is uh, B-cell lymphoma. There's also T-cells and a number of other variations of those as well. How can owners tell if their dog may have lymphoma? Like, is there symptoms or...? Yeah, look, the, the, the key thing that people generally find are lumps because it's like Hodgkin's lymphoma in people. It's a very similar tumour, actually. So often it can be when someone's playing with their pet, they feel like a node under their, under their jaw or on the back leg. Sometimes when they go to the groomer, just a routine vet visit they might go out for their yearly vaccination and find it so i think in a way it's just it's great just to keep checking you know as you pat and touch your dog and play just feel for where the nodes are under the jaw or in the front of the shoulder blade those sorts of areas are often where you find the lumps but lymphoma can start and progress very quickly that's the horrible thing about it really it's that it's a disease which can within two months can take a dog from being a if it's untreated from taking a really healthy dog to one that has to get euthanized yeah wow and um on the monopental trial how much longer have you been able to extend the lifespan of these dogs that have lymphoma yeah so the figure i was mentioning before the sort of four to six to seven months that's really been from the point of diagnosis when they've been enrolled uh, in the study. Um, and there's been a, an approach which Farmos has been looking at. There's a monopental-only tablet, which we start with. And then, depending on how things progress, some oncologists have elected to combine the monopental with prednisone. We haven't done any work combining it with chemotherapy, but there's been a number of cases now where the combination has actually seemed to have worked very well. So that's an area that Farmos will be focusing more on as we get into bigger studies. With chemotherapy in dogs, does it have the same kind of side effects that we see in humans? Yes, it does. But what oncology specialists will tell you is that they really modify the dose according to the case and the size of the dog and they can modify the dose during the chemo treatment so if a dog exhibits side effects they might reduce the dose the next time so it's a similar very similar process yeah some oncologists are actually they find that the way they modify the dose they are really comfortable with how well dogs manage the chemo so I think it's fair to say that some dogs do have some side effects which uh, are not very pleasant, but by far the majority seem to manage it really well. And in some cases it's more the, we've had people come into the study who have had chemo themselves or they've had relatives with chemo uh, and they bring that, that real tough experience into now they've got a pet with them making the same decisions and as we all know with pets I think the interesting thing is that we may tend to put up more ourselves than we're actually prepared to put our pet through right so because we're making the decision I think that's been an interesting discussion with some owners so you know the way you love your pet will mean that you may well modify your approach to what you want to put them through so that's 
been one of the reasons why people have wanted to um, come and try the Monty Pantle study. Yeah, that's an interesting kind of psychological point, isn't it? Yeah. So you're currently recruiting or Farmost is currently recruiting for the next phase, the next trial. What are the prerequisites for dogs and how does someone who wants to get involved get involved? Certainly if, if you want to get involved, vets or owners who are listening to the podcast, then if you just go to the Farmost uh, website, uh, farmost.com, www.farmost.com, you'll see under um, clinical studies there's a list of the practices that are um, currently enrolling. If there's listeners in New Zealand or even the United States, we do have study sites there as well. And we're really, the key thing is that we have, um, we're enrolling what we call substage A dogs. So substage A and B. So A dogs are those dogs that appear normal, clinically quite healthy. Substage B are those dogs, unfortunately, that have progressed and uh, things are not looking good. They're actually suffering quality of life issues at the time. So we want to make sure that um, we enrol only substage A and we want to make sure that the dogs have not had any previous treatment. So we call it treatment naive. So a dog that's just been diagnosed is looking relatively normal. And then what Pharmos does, we go through a quite a rigorous screening program. We'll take full blood tests, do ultrasound of the abdomen and radiology of the chest, and we'll get a really full picture of the position of the disease for each dog. And then between us and the oncologist and the owner, we'll make a decision, you know, one, do they principally want to be involved? That's very important. And then we'll make a clinical status to say, yes, this dog is suitable for enrolment. And, um, and that's, all, that's all covered by Pharmost, that initial diagnosis. Yeah. And, and then they will come back in at day 14 and day 28 for re-evaluations for the study. It's incredibly interesting work that you're doing and it sounds like we'll definitely be covering the progress and how you go with that. Is there anything else you would like to mention before we wrap up? I think the couple of key messages really is that we are extending the study sites. We've now got the study site down in, in Albury. So, and that, was, that came from that particular practitioner that was keen to try and enroll some dogs in the country as well to give folks access to the study. And I think that the other key thing really is just looking at um, quality of life as a key outcome. And I must admit, you know, we do have some showcase uh, dogs, if you like. We've got one in New Zealand, uh, Louie. It gets a mention now. Louis, Louis pushing on about 230 days, just on uh, Monty Pantel only. As I mentioned, cancer does produce a whole lot of uh, outliers potentially, uh, but Louis is still going, doing really well. Our longest surviving dog uh, on on the study, and it's just great to see cases like that where owners can just maintain their pet and a really good quality of life for the duration they have. And so I think. Yeah, express an interest, have a look at the sites, give me a call. My details are on there. Happy to chat to anyone at any time if they want just to run the case past me. Perfect. Well, shout out to Louis if you're listening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, thanks so much for your time, Dr. Kim. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Really interesting. Appreciate it, Tom. Great to chat and look forward to hearing from folks who would like to get involved. Thanks for tuning in to the Pet Industry News podcast and remember to visit our website www.petnews.com.au to stay up to date with all the latest happenings in the pet industry.